Climate impacts such as floods, droughts, firestorms, shifting seasons, sea level rise, salt water intrusions, the spread of vector-borne diseases and devastations from cyclones and other extreme weather events are becoming more frequent than before. These impacts have dire consequences on the community's mental health and will continue to do so as the globe keep warming. Unfortunately, already submitted national commitments do not come close to getting the globe on track to meeting the Paris Agreement of keeping the global temperatures below 2 degrees Celsius. Hello and welcome to your weekly Africa Climate Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Sophie Mbogwa. Today we are still in Baringo County where waters of three Rift Valley lakes have been rising well since 2013. But I want us to delve deeper into the climate-related losses and damages and ask ourselves who pays for these climate-related damages. But before we start, just a reminder that this episode is part of the ongoing mental health and climate impact series which has been made possible by a grant from the International Women's Media Foundation, Howard G. Buffet Fund for Women Journalists. Africa contributes to about 4% of the global emissions, while the G20 countries are responsible for 80%. Emissions historically responsible for the current rising global temperatures. Despite the low emissions in Africa, the IPCC reports indicate that Africa warms twice higher than the global temperatures depending on the region. In Baringo County, 22 schools have either been wholly submitted or destroyed following the swelling of Lakes Baringo, Bogoria, and Lake 94. Jacob Chepkoni, the Baringo County Deputy Governor, says the county requires nearly 550 million shillings, that is nearly 4.5 million US dollars, for the education sector to recover. Institutions like schools were actually affected, ranging from secondary schools primary schools and also vocational training centers and also ECD and childhood uh, centers. And uh, I want to say that the problem was more pronounced in Baringo South and Baringo North. And uh, in terms of uh, schools, I want to say that uh, quite a number of schools were affected. Just the way you said, uh, about 10 uh, secondary schools and six primary schools were, were affected. And, um, and uh, when you look at the cost, the cost of the damages, just uh, generally because schools in North Baringo, schools in Baringo South, when you quantify, uh, actually the cost was big. The total damage was actually coming to about 2.4 or uh, 2.4 US dollars. 2.4 million okay. US dollars. And that is ranging from accommodation, that's where the children used to sleep. Uh, ranging from administration block, which were destroyed. Also, rebuilding afresh the schools, which was not easy. So, as we speak now, quite a number of schools have been relocated. Uh, like Salaban Ngambo was moved. Salabani was also moved, but we have put in the temporary structures. And also others are actually on uh, makeshift kind of classrooms where we have a partner like Kenya Red Cross who give us tents for them to um, for them to, to, to really continue their education. Mm -hmm. The problem is to speak up to now is not yet sorted out. Sorry? It's not yet completely sorted out. Okay. Yeah, because 
I've seen the cost is quite high. And um, as a county government, we didn't have a budget allocation to the same. And you know the budget making process is wrong. As a county government, we have money to address disasters. In a year, we actually have about 14 million in our budget. 14 million? Yes, but that was a drop in the, in the sea. Yeah. Actually, it could not, it could not. Yeah. So, uh, and this is dictated by the, uh, our county integrated development plan. And you know, these emergencies come when it's not expected. And also, part of this year and last year, we've had uh, challenges to do with COVID-19. So we realized actually our preparedness, uh, the amount of resources we had was not enough and the budget was not also sufficiently enough to address uh, mm. these challenges. As a result of the flooding, there are 22 damaged schools in Barengo County. 16 of these are primary schools and six secondary schools. Chipkwane says the total damages to the education sector is estimated to 2.4 million US dollars. Goal 4 of the UN's Sustainable Development Goals aims at ensuring inclusive and equitable quality education while promoting lifelong learning opportunities for all. But this might not be the case for one Derek Larupe, a 17-year-old Form 4 student. He has had to drop out of school given his parents could not afford school fees for himself and five of his siblings. Parents stay in different locations. You are many kilometers away from them. It makes it hard concentrating while in school as well as our education. We are not used to this situation as each of us had our own rooms back then. It's become extremely dry. Access to water has become hard. The tents are starting to wear out due to hot sun. Five of us are in school. Our source of livelihood has been lost. It's taking a toll on our parents mentally, wondering how to maintain us in school. During weekends of school holidays, I rent a motorcycle to help raise money for food. You can't stay home during the day. If you do, what will you and your siblings eat? I raise about 500 shillings. 300 is paid to the owner. Then 200 shillings, I buy a kilogram or two of maize flour. And that takes us a night or two to help support my parents and life moves on. A while back, I decided to drop out of school for a while because raising school fees has been a huge challenge. You want to study, but most of the time you are sent back home for lack of school fees. When my parents get an alternative place to live, life might start again and I will get back to school. The flooding heavily impacted development gains over 3,000 people displaced by the flooding lakes had achieved. Samuel Jerotich, a 55-year-old father of eight, says he has lost over 2 million shillings as his second house was submerged. The rising water started a long time back in 2013. My first house was flooded. I moved to a higher ground. I built a second one. It was damaged in 2020. It was a big house, about six-roomed house. Cost me more than two million Kenya shillings to build. My son's house, almost the same size, was damaged too. Today we have moved. People are seeking shelter either at a tent, some are housed by relatives, 
some with friends together with their sheep and goats. Barbed wire used for fencing has rot now. That's the loss. I am not the only one. Many have lost more than a million shillings. Our livestock have lost the grazing land. They grazed on the shore of the lake now flooded. Secondly, the rising water has lake water contaminated the sewer water. It's the water we consume. Now only God help us as we are drinking contaminated water. Another loss. Our farms are flooded. My daughter's land is entirely flooded. She farmed maize, assorted vegetables, tomatoes and beans. She is not the only one who farmed on this area. We have lost our homestead as well. Majority have no money left to buy land as we must buy on safer grounds. We are all living in temporary shelters. That's the loss we are all facing. Our children in boarding schools do not have a place to sleep anymore. We had built five classes, a laboratory and a dormitory for both girls and boys at the Lake Baringo Secondary. All are underwater now. They have been forced to sleep at the tents. It's a challenge because both need to be separated at night. Some of our girls have fallen pregnant as a result. After the flooding, we were forced to have them sleep in different places as they would not fit in one temporary shelter we had. It made it difficult to monitor them. That's how some got into problems. These climate-related impacts are now exaggerated by the global COVID-19 pandemic, which has worsened the impacts of climate change on African economies, the majority still developing. In Sub-Saharan Africa, the UN Food and Agriculture, FAO, recognizes that women head 31% of rural households. With the climate changing rapidly and such incidences as the Rift Valley lakes displacing communities, these households are left susceptible to climate change, food insecurity, and without an income. Pauline Yator, a 50-year-old mother of seven, had a merry-go-round that helped raise school fees and transport for her daughter, a third-year nursing student at Baraton University. But today, with the husband unemployed, the farm wholly submerged, she can only raise slightly more than a dollar per day, not enough to feed her family and contribute to the merry-go-round. Some of our girls have gotten pregnant and returned home. As mothers, we are struggling to take care of and feed the rest of the children. They also need food and school fees. Some have had to drop out of school. We keep moving, spending money meant for school fees. Especially the ones in college have had to drop out. My daughter had to drop out of Barton University. I had a merry-go-round that helped me raise money for their school fees and transport. Now I have nothing left, and so they have had to stay home. My husband is jobless. I have invested in a fish business that is yet to pick. I have invested in a fish business that is yet to pick. All we had saved is what we have used to move and rent a house. Businesses are not performing well, and so when I get 100 shillings a day, it is not enough to feed the family. Nancy Kipkemoi, the Baringo Integrated Development Project Manager, says 
The displaced communities, majority of whom are pastoralists, have lost up to 70% of their livelihood of their livestock to pneumonia and drought, heavily impacting on the community source of livelihood. These communities were really affected after the lakes uh, were swollen following the floods. We have a lot of households who were displaced. And once they were displaced, they lost their livelihood. They lost food crops, which were in their fields. In our lowlands, most of the households plant crops for commercial purpose. The produce from these farms actually goes a long way to supplement the household income and also pay school fees for their children. And also, most of these households, they had livestock, maybe sheep, goats. But after these floods, they have lost up to 70% of their livestock because of one, yes, we received floods, but also we are experiencing drought in our county, in the lowlands. So there is no pasture for the animals. So yes, some are lost because of pneumonia. Along the, the lakes, there, there was a lot of uh, pneumonia and a lot of animals were lost. And also because uh, now there is no grazing area, there, there is also extra loss from livestock. So we have had incidences whereby most are like the boys, most of them have opted to go to border border. The girls, some have gone to casual labors so that they can be able to get money to support their, their other siblings because an average household in Baringo has six children. So there is a big challenge. Chipkoni says the road ahead for Baringo County is a difficult when the challenge for his administration is balancing resettling the displaced and achieving the development goals the administration had set to achieve. However, the challenge is big. The challenge is big because displacing an entire community with their livelihoods and destroying their livelihoods is not easy. Yeah. When it comes to the issues of agriculture, we have even irrigated farms destroyed. Yeah. We have a Bergen irrigation scheme, a Kaibu irrigation scheme who are destroyed. We also have individual farmers whose lands were destroyed, which had crops. And uh, to rebuild is a big, big challenge. Some of the irrigation schemes have been there, destroyed by the rising water lakes uh, by then. But now I think it has slightly subsided. How do you anticipate that that will impact the food security within the county and probably becoming budgetary? Yeah, it, it has uh, actually impacted uh, negatively on the food security. And uh, what we have done, what we are doing as a, as a county government, we've put more of our resources uh, on provision of food. If you look at our budget uh, this um, financial year, we've put more on agriculture and, and did away with infrastructure so much. We wanted to maybe People who have destroyed their lives uh, where they were a source of food want to really put food on the table and also put some money on the table. So we are thinking of buying them seedlings to rebuild their lands and also buying them goats, animals in terms of communities so that they can be able to, to recover. So we have actually shifted to a recovery strategy and uh, it's that, that, that is informed by the straight livelihoods. So we have a shift in budget allocation to agriculture and livestock to actually enhance food. Uh, actually, it is even our roads were destroyed. The, even the connecting road between Maricat to Tiati around Loruk area, it was cut off. But I might be that uh, the national government, because that was under Kenya, are able to manage that. Mm -hmm. But we have other feeder 
funerals mm. in those communities, which actually the roads have to be relocated completely. completely. And uh, what we've done in the county government is actually to provide fuel and machinery to give them some diversion where they can be able to provide some passage. Mm. Um, but now, as you have mentioned, before you see now, you have to construct a road requires a long-term plan. So we've done temporary um, passages, but hoping that when the report is out, then we can know whether we are able to build a long-term roads. Because you can put up a road today, and then tomorrow you are told the water will still come. So they can come back. So those are the challenges uh, we have. Okay. But uh, I want to say that as a county government, we have done the much we can. The challenge is, the magnitude of the destruction is uh, is big. Mm -hmm. Even uh, the national government came very strongly, even in terms of schools, but they have not addressed fully the, the problem. Mm -hmm. Children were put in schools, uh, like they were moved to different schools, they have moved to different sites with temporary makeshifts. But uh, looking at the future, we may have to really think what will happen, supposing the same phenomenon is going to Come back. Mm -hmm. So we are. For me, I'm looking at it that in future we require a settlement. But now, where do we take these people to? Because the spaces are not there. So it requires a long time and a lot of resources so that we resettle people, mm -hmm. so that we can. Uh, if I was to give some advice, I would say we need to look for a space to settle and, and convert those areas to conservancies or game reserves or forests. Mm -hmm. If there's an arrangement where the government, the national government, the county government can talk with Kenya Forest Service, we donate the forest for a settlement, then we rebuild another forest mm. or game reserve or, um, or, or a conservancy. I think that could be the way to to yeah. Yeah, to handle the issue. Moving forward, climate change is real. We need a global perspective on addressing these things because. Uh, if uh, the effects we could be facing here could be what another country far away from here is maybe due to deforestation, due to land use practices in another far place away from Baringo. But the effects are felt here in, sure. in Baringo. So we need a global approach. And um, the rising water levels, the cyclones, the wildfires, Arakul is a result of these practices, which we have talked about a climate change phenomenon. And uh, I was looking at the, the UN agencies should take the lead, even when it comes to the building, so that we punish those who, like, like even global warming. Mm -hmm. Who is causing this a lot of pollution? What do they contribute in terms of conservation activities? So that when we get this money for conservation from the industrialists and the others, then we also help to rebuild those who have been affected. This is how we need to be, and that's why I say it requires a global uh, perspective to look at it from that globally. And therefore, um, having the, 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 the UN agencies taking the lead and whipping the respective countries to put in measures to really mitigate and also um, prevent uh, such 
minerals from from up. The 2021 Africa Economic Outlook report by the African Development Bank estimates that 39 million Africans could slip into extreme poverty in 2021. This follows about 30 million already pushed into extreme poverty in 2020 because of the global coronavirus pandemic. The rising temperatures are expected to impact agriculture production, food security and water availability, leading to more deforestation, negatively impacting forest, grasslands and marine ecosystem, among many other changes. Now, during the 25th Global Climate Conference, COP25, the African Group of Negotiators on Climate Change, AGN, stressed Africa's need to be recognized for its special needs and circumstances. Mohamed Nersa, a diplomat and the former AGN chair, said Africa's vulnerability to climate impacts and need to develop, the more reasons the continent deserves a space to develop. We want to ensure that the continuation of the acknowledgement of the special circumstances as per the convention and the decision that came after continues also to be acknowledged under the Paris Agreement, especially that the Paris Agreement was negotiated and established under the convention. So it is, it is more of an acknowledgement. It's not trying to renegotiate the Paris Agreement, but it is making sure that Africa has the policy space uh, to develop. Uh, yes, majority of African countries are LDCs, but they are graduating. I mean, if you look at the uh, growth rate in Africa and African countries, it is much higher than the rest on the, the average in the rest of the world. That means that the Africa is in the path of graduation. Most of the LDCs are in the path of graduation. Once they graduate, they still need a space to deal with the socioeconomic challenges they face, um, which is all over Africa. We did the study in the African group on the socioeconomic indicators, uh, um, including poverty, including education, access to clean water, access to energy, uh, access to even cooling systems. All of this um, through the IPCC and through the, the other reports from the international organization sh shows that Africa is all of the African continent with these five sub-regions is very much a need for the space to develop and to ensure that it, it, when it develops, it develops sustainably, that it is low emission uh, development, it is resilience de development. So this also relates to the issues of access to finance and the cost of finance. Uh, most of the regions of the world do not have the same particularity like the African region in relation to the risk related uh, to finance. So, so the more risks you have, including climate risk, the higher the cost of money you borrow. So we, and Africa is already a highly indebted continent. Most of the countries, if not all of them, are highly indebted. So you, won't, you don't want to add another burden for future generations to pay because you want to be active or you want to take like a strong position on climate change. So those are the principles of our position. We are not competing on vulnerability. So there's no competition between who is much more who is more vulnerable than the other in terms of uh, of regions, but it is more of we want to ensure the policy space, the space for Africa to develop in the right way, and ensure that flows of finance in Africa gets its fair share of the finance. All of Africa with its sub-regions, each of them has its own particular uh, vulnerability, but all of them share the same thing, which is the challenges that relates to the social development, economic development, eradication of poverty, uh, health issues, all of this. And all of them are, are increasing. All the challenges are increasing because of climate change. Remember, this series is part of the ongoing mental health and climate impact series, which we are almost winding up.
You can access other episodes and many more by visiting our website www.africaclimateconversations.com or through Spotify, Apple, Google or any other channel you access your podcast. Also, please stay in touch via email through info at Africa Climate Conversations or follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to receive a weekly newsletter by hitting the subscribe button on our website. We are so grateful to the International Women's Media Foundation's Howard G. Buffet, Fund for Women Journalists, whose grant has made this series possible. Don't forget to make a date with me on Thursday, Financing Change in Africa series. But until then, Kwaheri, my name is Sophie Mbokwa.